leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To everyone who's dealt with the hassles of accessing healthcare and thought, it shouldn't have to be like this. You're right. It shouldn't. Partner MD is better healthcare for an even better you. Much more than concierge medicine, Partner MD is healthcare the way it should be. 24-7 access to care, virtually no waiting, and the one-on-one attention you need to help maintain your healthy lifestyle. Visit PartnerMD.com for pricing and more information. You're listening to the Fun Never Ends Podcast with Metalhead Nelson. Hey, welcome to the Fun Never Ends Podcast with Metalhead Nelson. It's uh, it's Sunday in January. I believe today's the 22nd. Happy New Year. Uh, I'd like to introduce my new co-host to the show. Please welcome my friend, Brutal Brett. What's going on, Brutal Brett? What's good? What's good, everybody? Uh, I'm going to be adding a, a different spin, I would say. Um, I'm well, Nelson's more than Metalhead. I found myself growing up in more of the hardcore scene and uh, emo scene. So uh, all those ex-MySpace scene kids with the emo bangs that shopped at Hot Topic in the early 2000s. What's up? Warp Tour for life. <laughs> Warp Tour. How many Warp Tours have you been to? I went to 2005, 2006, 2007, and then I stopped actually three. But uh, that was just out of my own volition because afterwards I was just like, yeah, I'm not a, uh, a predator, so I don't need to be <laughs> in Glory Pits anymore. Um, what would you say was your biggest highlight of the going to Warp Tour? You know, was there any, like, what were your top bands that you went to go see uh 2005 was see thrice uh-huh. because you know growing up in california they were like the post-hardcore uh emo do they count as emo i, I don't know i don't know i don't know i never listened i never really listened to thrice to be honest with you uh so it was thrice i saw event sevenfold in 2005 that's when they i think they were at their peak yeah you know um, um, um what was it uh uh, Brian Hayner Jr. His dad is a comedian. Brian Hayner Sr. Really? Yeah, I, for, I forget his name. He's the guitar player. Uh, Sinister Gates. His dad. His dad is Brian Hayner, the comedian. Uh, if you watched um, Jeff Dunham, his Christmas one, he's guitar guy. That explains a lot. Well, they're also from Orange County, so yeah, they have money no matter what. He, if I'm not wrong, he teaches at the Orange County uh, uh, School of Arts. That checks out. That all checks out. And he's endorsed by what was, uh, I forget what the hell the company name is now. They were, they used to be a, I'll find out later, but go on. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, seeing Thrice, Event Sevenfold, The Used, My Chemical yeah. Romance. I, I remember My Chemical Romance, uh, headlined after Transplants, and that was crazy for me in 2005. I was 12, mm-hmm. 11. Um, but throughout the years, the next year, it was to see Paramore, uh, The Human Abstract. Track, just a lot of the more like post hardcore band under oath stuff like that so uh it, it's it was a good gateway into a lot of uh heavier music but it definitely uh yeah the the fact that there is such a nostalgia for it now since it's been gone for a few years is so weird to me 
Yeah, I hear it's, you, man. <laughs> well, going back to that, he was endorsed by Carvin. Now they're Kessel guitars. Kessel. Kessel. Yes. Yeah. So I guess. They, <laughs> so just a quick shout out to my friends over at Pick Guy Guitar Picks out in Detroit, Michigan. If you need a one-stop shop for guitar picks, laminates, and drumsticks, all your other fun stuff, they do a lot of custom stuff. Really good friends of mine. Go to PickGuy.com and check them out. Do they do custom pickups as well? They, no. Pick uh, guitar picks, uh, drumsticks, all so that. So more and, the way to play it versus yeah. like just because I know the pickups the way that they get out of take the guitar can make killer tone oh yeah there's a lot of good uh guitar pick uh, good uh, pickup companies out there so a lot of good independent ones so uh, speaking of which uh oh let's go to the first announcement about the uh, uh, tours I mean well wasps just announced their tour uh in 12 years for the US they're doing their 40th year uh live world tour and it's the winged assassins 40th anniversary tour majority dates with special guests are Saint along with select dates with Michael Shanker. Um, if you're looking to go to the Anaheim show, that's the first show on Saturday, October 29th at the Grove of Anaheim. That show is sold out. So, well, if you're going to find tickets, beware of scalpers and check out StubHub. So, so far they got three sold out shows. And speaking yes. of sold out shows, uh, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when we were young, that when we were young, that two day festival is now completely sold out. Yeah, I didn't even try for tickets on that man it won $313 after taxes two it's across three stages and uh it just doesn't make sense logistically to be able to see what like 70 emo and pop punk bands and yeah. some hardcore bands through it's only one day each. Well, they oh yeah two different I, I know in vain <laughs> that's gonna be crazy going back and forth back and forth to all those state all three stages just to find and, and see if set times clash you'd have to say a half a like, few songs here a few songs here and hope to god you make it to the next stage in time I know it's sponsored by Live Nation but I want to think that Chris Hans is the real person who put it on because why else would they have all those you know predator bands on it i mean you definitely know that someone from like what a day to remember is gonna go up there and it's just gonna be chris hansen being like welcome day to remember please have a seat <laughs> you know it's funny uh you can actually get a cameo from chris Han a personalized one from chris hansen on cameo I wonder how many people have done that to people who are about quite, to be quite well you can send it as like a birthday thing <laughs> just uh, just different things and he'll do whatever pretty much what kind of dick, what kind of asshole does that they're just like oh yeah open up your email have your birthday man it's just Chris Hansen being like please have a seat so I heard it's your birthday yeah, pretty much that's how it goes what, man <laughs> what, what do you mean when you texted your friend Jeff and you said see you at seven for drinks what kind of drinks are these <laughs> boink <laughs> In the chat, it says that you were Wasp Lover 1987. Care to explain what that means? <laughs> uh, man, the kind of bands, they got a lot of bands on here, to be honest with you. Uh, my Chemical Realm bands. Headrest on it. Like, it's like, oh yeah, Paramore, Avril Lavigne, Bright Eyes, Car Seat, Headrest. Where the fuck does that come from? My friend Steve Furlazo is the keyboardist and music director for Avril Lavigne, so congratulations to him and the band for uh, being on that big old festival There's congratulations only like for avril being relevant after 20 years still and still appealing to the tiktok crowd same with little huddy shout out to little huddy the tiktok king the tiktok king isn't she married to that guy the lead singer from some 41 or was it was some 41 and then it was nickelback and i think it might still be nickelback oh chad kroger yeah she she was married to chad or still is married to chad kroger 
Well, I guess this is how you remind me. Or I, I really wanted there to just be a photograph to pop and be like, look at this photograph. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else do you got for me today? Uh, I was going to talk about the new shapes of M&Ms because that's making such outrage lately. Why would they ch- change? One, wh- who looks at M&Ms and is just like, you know what? We need to change it to be more inclusive. They're fucking candy. Why they would make- you change it? <laughs> the, 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 exactly. No one puts, because, well, I'm definitely someone who believes in woke culture. So please, you know, this is all for parody. This is comedy. Don't come coming for me. This is jokes. But. But it's candy. You, what, you need to stop your woke outrage at some point and just realize, yo, I got to chill. Why am I angry about nothing? <laughs> it's It seems like nowadays everybody's angry about something. It's the little things that people are more like pissed off about versus uh, the stuff on the big picture. So- because we don't get mad at the big things, the, the little things we think we can control. Like Mr. Potato Head being Mr. and not androgynous potato head androgynous potato head yeah that that whole thing is just like whoa so i don't know i don't know how you would change the whole thing with the whole m&ms it's kind of m&ms has been m&ms for so long why why would you anybody decide to change the character uh well because you know how they had like red yellow green well green is now going to be a girl boss sneakerhead oh my god yeah you think that green is just going to come out in the next commercial wearing jordans because green was always supposed to be like the quote-unquote sexy one which was, you know, it's it, it's weird in general that they do that. Yeah. And then the the brown one is now like short. Yellow is just a, a peanut one. Uh, I I don't know, but the bag is gonna come in different shapes now for some reason. That's gonna put a lot of work into the M M&M and M factory. Uh, and if you're gonna shape it like that, I mean, they've all been round. Unless they did something different for like a Valentine's Day where they would heart shape it, which I highly doubt. I, well, I know that there's like brands like Unreal where all of theirs are, you know, just because they don't give a damn and they're just like, yo, we're organic. It looks like shit, but it's organic. How do you make candy organic unless you, no, you, I guess you could, but you'd have to really just pull it off the, the cocoa and just shove it in there. Because it's all bullshit at the end. In the end, you just want to feel like you're doing something. Uh, that's what my philosophy on the world is. It's just, yeah, it's not really worth it, but you feel like it is. <laughs> Does that go with everything organic? Being a let me preface this listeners i'm a vegan as well i'm mm. also straight edge so i'm part of the complete no fun club <laughs> yeah, i would call that a complete no fun club i mean you enjoy everybody enjoys what they enjoy so it's all about preference you know uh it, it means my enjoyment is talking shit on things that uh i should not talk shit on what else would be something that you would like to talk shit on well oh did are, are you lining me up to just tee off right now because you're you just handed me the line to to just keep me going let's see um give it all you got brother i really wanted to talk about this weird revival of just emo in general and how uh the hardcore scene mm. and the hardcore punk scene is starting to just buy into loving death metal randomly like there's really? the this label out of san diego called maggot stomp which has uh i showed you one of the bands are called undead from rochester uh they're they sound pers- pretty good man i listened to them right before we jumped onto this thing and man they sound killer but they're playing hardcore fest now as opposed to you know metal fest um same with the band they're also on uh the label 200 uh they're on the label maggot stomp they're called 200 stab wounds mm-hmm. they've been playing with like not loose they've been playing with uh gate creeper 
and stuff like that who i i guess i just want to discuss what your opinion is on the line between like metal core and death core versus being like acceptable to the metal scene metalcore oh man i don't even know a couple of the metalcore bands to be honest with you can you throw some at me i would say the biggest right now would be like knock loose and uh code orange because they come from the hardcore scene but they go on tours with like gojira and mashuga and uh mastodon i mean if they're gonna go on tour with gojira mastodon and mashuga then they've got to be really fucking good to be on that line up to open for those bands because if you're a metalcore band and you don't get picked up or get to jump on those tours it wouldn't i don't know that wouldn't seem like uh okay you're more on the like the hardcore side but you haven't hit the metalcore would you speaking of metalcore would you kind of call a day to remember in the metalcore genre Yes and no. I that's they there's a they embody a genre of pop punk called easycore, mm. which is what like Newfound Glory kind of pioneered, where oh, they yeah, have a like bunch pop of, punk. Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's pop punk, but it adds more hardcore elements. Like there's breakdowns, there's more hardcore parts, but they've taken it to the next level by adding like deathcore elements to it, as opposed to just hardcore like Newfound Glory did. Yeah, so that's what's called easycore. Easycore, <laughs> and I I fucking love it. It's so like my first show ever was newfound glory so i guess i'm biased but hey i like newfound glory (laughs) i don't it's so damn cheesy that you're just like yeah i hate my town but i love my friends we're gonna go around and then it's just like (laughs) when we go we got to know and you're just like all right i just went from you know being like yeah put your arms around your friends so i'm gonna fucking tear this place down is i've never seen newfound glory i've always wanted to see newfound glory and is that what i'm supposed to expect when i go see newfound glory uh no i would say it's a lot of stage dives and that's a lot of uh sing-alongs and you know finger points to the songs like my friends over you oh man that was the the biggest hit it was more like a i don't know if it was a i don't think it was a one-hit wonder because they did a whole thing from uh what was it they had an album called from your from the screen to your stereo part two they did a quite a bit quite a bit of songs kiss me it ain't me babe the promise love fool i never thought i'd hear that from them no it's just all of the songs that were in like movies and TV. So, which is funny because uh, I know back in the early 2000s, they were supposed to be on the same level as Blink 182. But did they ever tour together? Yeah, many times. So that would be, they complement each other well. That's a good, that's a good lineup right there. In the magazine, same TRL cycle, but Blink-182 became whatever the Kardashian core, while uh, Newfound Glory is, uh, well, they had a, they had a pedo in the band. They kicked him out. Then uh, Chad Gilbert married uh, Haley from Paramore. That didn't Mm -hmm. work out. Um, Yeah. So it's the usual uh, pop punk cycle, having a pedophile and marrying the girl from Paramore. <laughs> That'd be the lead singer of Paramore. Mm-hmm. And making her create one of the best Paramore albums so far after laughter. Truly a masterpiece. Uh, I know it's not metal per se, um, but she's got a killer voice. I tell you that much. She's got a good voice. Oh, I 100% agree. Um, I will pivot back to metal though for a second and Go say ahead. that um, there's been a bunch of great new bands I've been checking out. In her, um, the singer and guitarist for Trivium has a new black metal esque project now. Uh, I forget what it's 
is called. It's like um, Ibar- it's called uh, Ibaraki Prot or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. something like that. And the first single that he dropped has uh, um, someone from Emperor, the black metal band, in it, and it's definitely a pivot from Trivium to this, but it's insanely good, very atmospheric, and it's released on Nuclear Blast, Nuclear Blast cr- Records. There's that. Um, have you listened to Corpse Grinder's solo stuff? No. The only thing I listen from Corpse Grinder is uh, his everything from um, Cannibal, Cannibal Corpse. Corpse. His solo stuff, I it's pretty much just Cannibal Corpse light. Who is in? Who's in his solo band? I don't even know. It's Eric Rutten from Hate Eternal playing guitar still. So uh-huh. it's, it's pretty much Cannibal Corpse because he's in Cannibal Corpse now too. Oh man! Well, All we would need is like Alex Webster on bass. I mean, you might as well just take the whole band and throw it in there. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, I know this is pretty much Cannibal Corpse, but uh, let's call it Corpse Grinder. Corpse Grinder and occasional uh, throw an occasional. Uh, oh, this is a love song called "I Come Blood." <laughs> this song is about. World of Warcraft. I remember I saw Cannibal Corpse for the first time at the. Well, it used to be called the Galaxy Theater, and then they changed it to the Observatory. I don't know why they couldn't keep it at the same name, but it was with the uh, obituary opening that show. So you get I Come Blood with Redneck Stomp. Oh yeah, and we were at me and my friend Dave. We were at the top overlooking the stage, so you can see that pit just like blow up, kind of like when I saw uh, Death Angel over at the Whiskey of Gogo when they first played their first ever show. It was a Halloween show, if I'm not mistaken, over at, uh, I think it was, or somewhere around there. So they played it at the Whiskey, where they opened up with Thrashers. It was the Ultra Violence Tour, and that just, the floor just man. blew up, man. I was upstairs. I was like, holy shit. Now you're speaking my language. That's in regards to uh, death metal metal bands that really are cemented into my pantheon. It's Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, Morbid Angel, um, Dark Throne, Emperor, Mayhem, you know, a, a good mix of of thrashy to more black metal. Yeah, we had a conversation uh, about uh, what was it? Uh, Bolt Thrower. About that that show that they played over at the Glass House. It was a Memorial Day weekend and mm-hmm. it was a sold out show. The closest I ever got to that show was seeing them unload from their van. From their van. They got off the van and I could hear them sound check outside but and no luck on getting tickets. I was pissed. Uh, that weekend for me, it was well, that lineup in general, completely not Opener, Autopsy. Man. <laughs> the the co headliner, Benediction. And then Bolt Thrower. Oh, man. When I th- that would have been. I, there's no other lineup, but that same weekend, or I think like a month later, I also saw the Japanese band Forward, mm-hmm. which is a member. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's members of Jism, or it's a members of other famous Japanese punk and hardcore and metal bands. I forget. I'm going to look this up to see who members of Forward are. So one second, members of Forward. All right, yeah. Go ahead and look into that. Um, while you're at that, um, let's see. Boston Calling Line. Lineup has been revealed uh, as falling on uh, live, Loudwire. Uh, it features Metallica, The Strokes, uh, Foo Fighters. They're going to be doing a three-day event. Uh, this is a Memorial Day weekend event from the 27, May 27th to May 29th at the Harvard Athletic Complex in Austin, Massachusetts. Uh, Foo Fighters are going to be headlining the first night, The Strokes on the second night, and Metallica will close out the entire weekend on that Sunday evening. So he had a couple of other ones like uh, other bands like Weezer, Cheap Trick, Struts, Avril Lavigne, Run the Jewels, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard, er, Wizard. Um, 
So if you want tickets, general mission VIP platinum passes for the weekend are available now. So there you go. You start around three seventy. Uh, you can expect a deposit of eighty seven dollars. So go to Boston Calling website and go from there. Uh, I found the members, and then I'm going to pivot back to that as well. Uh, Forward is members of the infamous Death Side from Japan and Insane Youth. Great bands if you're into really gritty-sounding punk and metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regards to Boston Calling, what are your thoughts on these, you know, more Live Nation-esque build festivals where it's always like a Foo Fighters, Metallica, and uh, the Strokes type of top billing with a bunch of, like, m- metal and hardcore or bands like like sometimes Turnstile or Code Orange will be on it. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts of them? Or do you think that they're worth the money? Do you think that they're they're all relatively the same lineup now, wouldn't you say, in regards to like open air festival? Yeah, and- kind of like uh, Rock and Rio and like those Monsters exactly. of Rock Fest and all the festivals that they have in the Midwest, mm-hmm. which a lot of those metal festivals and those rock festivals, we don't get out here. No, I think the closest we get is Aftershock in Sacramento. Yeah, that's right. Right, Aftershocks and got always has a killer lineup. Never been, but I always wanted to. But going back to oh, talking about that, the lineups. Um, for me, I don't think. It, to be honest with me, to be honest with you, I don't think it's worth it because for me, I don't know half of <laughs> more than three fourths of these bands. I'm looking at these bands. I don't know Heinz. I don't know who Kenny Hoopla is. Um, I mean, I'll I'll go to the show and ended up seeing like the first night. I'll stay for the Struts, Cheap Trick. Um, Avril Lavigne and Foo Fighters but everybody else I'm kind of like uh okay next night and the only one I know is the Strokes so and then on Sunday it's Metallica Weezer and I'll stay for Modest Mouse but everything else everybody else like Japanese Breakfast I don't I don't know who they are one Japanese Breakfast great I highly recommend them I I can take a much more deep dive into that lineup but you pointing them out I definitely recommend Japanese Breakfast very chill very more indie I would say more indie all right yeah. I'll go ahead and uh, check them out. What are your thoughts about that and about the whole lineup like you were asking me? Uh, most of the time, it's the same thing over and over. It's just like, yes, Slipknot is going to play in the South for the 800th time with uh, some random bands. There's, there's Metallica is always going to be on it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have like Black Veil Brides uh, asking Alexandria. And then there's going to be like Mastodon, uh, R.I.P. Every Time I Die, they would also be on it. And then it'll be like, oh yeah, Knock Loose, Turn style gate creeper for you know newer up and coming bands uh power trip would also be added to it for a good mix oh power and- trip i i believe the last time one of the last times that when uh uh lama god played over at the fox theater in pomona i mm-hmm. believe if i'm not mistaken i think power trip was one of the openers if i'm not mistaken you're right about that that was 20 20- 16 or 2017 yeah i remember i was over at characters and i was walking to the the bus stop over there on in pomona trying to catch the bus back home and you can hear it blaring through you can hear lamb of god blaring through the parking lot man they're such a great legacy band to burn the priest as well their earlier stuff i have to check them out i i haven't really checked them out so burn the priest i would say it's much more metalcore than lamb of god was just because uh randy he has a pretty big influence and hardcore randy's a badass i follow him he's a badass 
But uh, back to the lineups again, I, they're never worth it. It's always like $300 and you'll want to see like 10 bands. The rest are like local opening acts up until like 3 p.m. Then you actually get some bands that you're into. That's how I felt when uh, they put Motorhead in Coachella one year. I'm like, and it was the side stage. And I think they put the cult over there. I'm like, really? I'm not going to pay all that money just to see them on like on one stage. And they don't even get that much of a set time, which is sad. No, Speaking of Coachella, like, again, the bands I keep referring to, Turnstile, Code Orange, both on Coachella. Yeah. Has Coachella so, lineup ever uh, appealed to you at all? Oh, many times. But I think it's because I'm, aside from metal and punk, I really love Kanye West. I really love certain new hip hop. But I think it just it shows my generation. I'm just turned 30. So, um, happy birthday. I've, al- I've always found it synonymous. Like, I found punk synonymous with hip hop just growing up because the generation brought like nwa it brought a little bit before but still relevant public yeah. enemy public and it had a lot of the same type of lyrical inspiration as punk yeah. and even collaborations you had biohazard you know doing a collaboration with onyx yeah you had just a bunch of other punk and hardcore bands combining at this or not a bunch of different hip-hop and hardcore bands combining at the time to create weird combinations that somehow worked it was kind of like when public enemy and uh anthrax did bring the noise and then run you got run dmc do and uh with aerosmith uh walk this way it's kind of like the whole beginning of that and it brought it into everything else wouldn't you say yeah that's exactly that's what i feel about the onyx and biohazard collab one it's obvious it's looked over so much biohazard being a new york hardcore band onyx being a new york hip-hop collective that they're pretty notorious for their album back to fuck up great both in their own right but i just feel that uh whenever i point out the similarities of like yeah they're both like fuck the police they're both like you know let's cause ruckus and so Coachella has appealed to me many times it's just the crowd base being a bunch of rich assholes that I can't get into. <laughs> I, I don't like the bo- the bohemian lifestyle. Um, another thing about myself, so I, I'm I'm still the same type of person who likes to buy you know quote unquote upscale clothes because I like to dress nice. I just don't like the lifestyle that's attached to it. Yeah, I understand that, man. But I never understood that lifestyle either. Just wearing appropriating cultures, taking Molly, uh, listening to EDM. E- EDM is cool to some degree, but doing that at Coachella and, you know, paying like a thousand dollars just to trip out. Popping a Molly. I'm like, oh, is that anywhere close to like you know, tripping on acid like back in the day, like <laughs> Woodstock and all that? Uh, from I, I have many friends who have taken it. They say that it's just a way to really up your like excitement and everything. So you don't really see anything anything like acid which is a bummer whoa man but i just being in the desert when it's hot as fuck out and just being like you know what sounds like a good idea not enjoying any of the music i came here to see and just feeling a vibe what the fuck is that yeah i'm not going for music i just want to catch a vibe it reminds me of that uh, uh, Up in Smoke with Cheech and Chong. Hey, don't take those, man. <laughs> I almost gave you the wrong shit. What was that, man? You just ate the most acid I've ever seen anybody eat in my life. Oh, man, that's gonna make me freak out, man. <laughs> i seen people walking around my neighborhood with too many acid. <laughs> One, that was a great impression, by the way. Have you practiced that or something, man? Well, uh, when it comes down to impressions, I'm like, uh, if I've seen it enough, I can pick it up pretty well. That's damn good. It reminds me of uh, the SLC Punk scene when uh he's running through the sprinklers and all the acid in his pocket uh melts onto him he starts tripping out he's like are you the devil 
That I got to see. I haven't seen SLC Punk. That's a movie that helped frame me as well. I think the reason I got into everything I am is these little things in culture that have just uh, been embedded throughout growing up that showed that counterculture is part of everything. Um, I think it even ties into why I'm into like fashion and, you know, certain designers because uh, the, the history behind it is rooted in punk and hardcore as opposed to, you know, just being a fucking dickless logo centric clout chasing idiot where the history behind it is oh yeah we grew up listening to a bunch of like Bauhaus and Nick Cave so that we wanted to you know make an aesthetic that was close to that or oh yeah we grew up listening to like Fugazi so you know our brand is called Fugazi. Fugazi I don't think I've ever heard of that the band Fugazi? No, I haven't heard of them. Ian McKay from Minor Threat's emo band after Minor Threat? I've heard of Minor Threat, but I've never heard of his side band after Minor Threat. He was in many. He was in Embrace, who sound a lot like Rage Against the Machine. They're, um, you would probably like it. It's pretty cool. They have a lot of riffs. Well, it's I a lot. Check that out. No, I have to look at that. Embrace out. and Fugazi. Fugazi. And now he's in. Um, he does a band with a bunch of a few of the members of Fugazi. It's called Corkily. Corkily. I'll have to go and look into that and uh, definitely check it out. It sounds sounds actually pretty cool. It, there's a strange route where a bunch of like in the 90s band like you all here's another thing sunny day real estate which is someone it has ties to someone from nirvana if i remember correctly sunny day real estate i, I keep forgetting who the connection is i think it was uh the one of the founding members of sunny day real estate was in nirvana but they're getting back together and they're in my pantheon of uh just top emo bands especially with their album diary oh it uh, features uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Nate Mandel and uh, William Goldsmith from Foo Fighters. That's that's the that connection. A, of, yeah, it was a Foo Fighters connection with Sunny Day Real Estate. Man. And it's crazy because you think of how Foo Fighters sound, and they're one of the largest alternative rock bands in the world. Then you listen to Sunny Day Real Estate, and they're just quintessential '90s emo. That is interesting, and I'll have to definitely check that out because it looks looks like something definitely worth checking out. Their album Diary is one of my top listened to albums. Uh, it, it's a real tearjerker. I'm I'm just gonna say that it it lives up to being emo. All right, now emo. I've seen um as I look up Weezer. I I love Weezer. You know, mm-hmm. one of the one of the bands that I grew up listening thanks to the whole Buddy Holly song and then the whole Happy Days video. Um, would you? consider them to be post emo because i seen that on the when i looked them up and i don't i don't think i would clear, classify them under post emo i wouldn't classify them as emo at all they're i would just say they're alternative rock compared to anything else uh because emo is started just as it, it I'll, I'll give a little bit of a history lesson on emo for the uh, uh uninitiated it started pretty much with the band rights of spring which again has ties to ian mckay minor threat the whole DC sound of punk and hardcore that started around Discord Records in the, the 80s. But right now we're talking about the mid to late 80s with, during a time called Revolution Summer. And it was a lot more bands like Rites of Spring. We were getting Embraced by Ian McKay. You're we getting Dag Nasty. 
and stuff like that. And it was bands that weren't really writing about aggression. They were writing about the way that they were feeling. And, you know, it was called emotional hardcore, shortened to emo. So fast forward, we have bands in, you know, the 90s, like Mineral. We have the Get Up Kids. We have um, Texas is the Reason being part of it, who are still more assigned to the hardcore scene because that's where they would grow up. You know, Sensefield, who later spawned Dashboard Confessional, is another example. But I really think that it was the 2000s who grew up on these 90s bands that really is where a lot of people look towards emo now with Taking Back Sunday, Brand New. And um, would you throw Dashboard Confessional under that genre or that? Which is funny because he started in the hardcore scene too. He played in the band Sensefield, or not Sensefield, Further Seems Forever. That's what it was. Further Seems Forever with the, as he took over for John Bunch, who was the original singer of Further Seems Forever and was the singer of the hardcore band Sensefield. I I know. (laughs) Hey, that's good because I don't know anything about that scene. So. Uh, it's because I've started when I was younger I tried to do like a whole map to connect everything back to punk and hardcore like everything I would actually like to see that one of these days that would be pretty cool to see how that whole connection comes about so like if you name someone I can tell you how they connect to hardcore or punk why don't you give me a couple like suggestions like who would you throw in there uh i could do anyone from kanye west to travis scott do it let's go kanye west kanye west ties back to punk and hardcore because a lot of his creative directors and people who work under him um they all have had you know ties to the hardcore scene same with a lot of designers in uh fashion Mm. where you know i think that's what really got me into it too is the fact that uh the more i look into it the more i find out that people are like oh yeah, I grew up listening to like Gorilla Biscuits, Cro-Mags, Earth Crisis, Youth of Today, and I used to be straight edge or vegan or vegetarian. And that's what really influenced the way that I think about like how I design clothing or the way that I think about how I do marketing or the way that I think about how I'm going to help out this artist or that artist. And I'm just like, what? So that influenced what they decided to do in life with that whole lifestyle. Correct. They're like, yeah, I'm not into it much now, but you know, it definitely helped create my like ethics and my way of being mm-hmm. hey that's pretty cool that would bring out like a lot of like the if you're thinking about the rock and metal scene like different places that have opened up that's like a rock bar and stuff like that and rock and roll businesses you know i'm thinking like slide bar rock and roll kitchen yep so seeing how that panned out along with uh if you've ever been to grill mall in alhambra 100 oh, percent. i love that spot i love that spot too so thinking about places like that so why that's exactly uh, that's exactly what I mean. It's just the fact that uh, more, I- I'm thinking of the more like secretive ones. There's a spot in uh, Highland Park in Chinatown called Burger Lords. The owner, Frank, member of the hardcore scene. And, but it just only came to light recently as he started doing collaborations with certain labels and bands doing burgers and pop-ups for their shows. But I think it's interesting that there's so many people and so many things that are out there that are inspired by metal, punk, and hardcore that it really made what they are what they are and what they have they have that secret and i think that it'd be interesting to kind of 
understand why or bring to light some of these people are like, oh, yeah, I'm secretly a metalhead, but I also do, you know, financing for this large conglomerate company. Interesting fact that you say that um, the current guitarist for uh, Doc and John Levin, while he's not uh, playing guitar, he's actually an attorney at law. Exactly. Stuff like that. Um, I think one of the weirdest examples is uh, there's a New York hardcore band called Most Precious Blood. Their guitarist, Justin Brandon, is a council member in New York. And he was voted in as a council member. That kind of takes me back to like how uh, Jesse the Body Ventura became, uh, was a governor of Minnesota. And then now you've got uh, Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, as uh, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. You got people coming in and out here and left and right, man. And that's the thing. It's just like, even though the scene in which we partake in is so rowdy by nature and everything, and there's a lot of formative aspects to it, when it comes down to the ethics behind it, I think that's what helps us define what the way that we live as well is just that it's like, okay, yeah, this is crazy music, but it, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we all support each other. It, it causes us to think about things differently. We're more outside the box thinkers. Yeah. It, it At least that's what I take from it. I mean, it led me to straight edge, you know, through minor threat, through bands like Youth of Today. It led me to, when I was a kid, I got exposed to vegetarianism and veganism earlier than probably I, anyone would have just because of being into these bands. Yeah. Uh, Goldfinger were on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack. They have a song called Open Your Eyes about veganism, which I heard when I was like 10. Was that which Tony Hawk was it? Was it the original one or was it Tony Hawk Underground? It was the original, the second Tony Hawk game. It had, uh, well, they had Superman on it, which isn't, you know, anything about that. But it, it led me to like Goldfinger, who were the, on the second show I ever went to. And it finding out about Goldfinger led me to find out that. That they, you know, have heat up pamphlets at their table back in the day. And they had the song Open Your Eyes, which was about factory farming. And, you know, being 10 and hearing stuff, it obviously didn't resonate until I was older. But when I think about it now, I, it was always in the back of my head. That's pretty cool. I remember uh, Tony Hawk 1, playing Tony Hawk 1. And then I never had that game in my possession. It was always going to Blockbuster, renting mm-hmm. it, bringing it back and renewing the rental again. And then same. once same went for Tony Hawk Underground, I was hooked on that because Kiss was on that. The soundtracks were amazing. There's so many podcasts I listen to where people talk about, okay, what was your initiation into punk or hardcore that are around my age and, you know, the current leading faces in hardcore punk and stuff. And like, oh yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater too. It's all the one, not the first one, because the second one, the soundtrack was like Rage Against the Machine, ACDC's TNT. Um, it had Goldfinger. It had Beastie Boys and stuff like that. Hey, Beastie Boys is perfect for Tony Auto Skater, the soundtrack, man. And it, I think it had Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. And they did. I'm going to have to check that out to see what I'm going, else is let's on see, that Tony, I'm going to do my research. You and me both. Soundtrack yeah. uh, one and two. Here we go. Here's the complete song list. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. You by Bad Religion. Bring the Noise, it's, Public Enemy, and Anthrax. Uh, Dead Six, Kennedys. Oh, of course. May 16th by Lagwagon. No Cigar by Melancholin. Uh, Naughty by Nature. Primus. Papa Swinging Roach. Others, Most Death. Bad Religion. <laughs> Who else? Yeah, so this is... Consumed. You got... Uh... Yeah, afraid of heights and control. There's a lot. There's a lot. Of so bands. when you think about it, I grow. I mean, Mill and Colin and Lagwagon. Those are definitely bands I got into early on as well. Bad Religion, just being from California and listening to K Rock. 
How do you but feel? I, how do you feel about K Rock these days? I mean, they've gone a whole different format. Well, Kevin and Bean aren't back. If they brought back Kevin and Bean, then it would feel like growing up in middle through high school. Do they still have Loveline on there? No, they scrapped it. Huh? Yeah, because I remember Loveline was a big thing too, along with Kevin and Bean. There was Rodney on the Rock, Kevin and Bean. Rodney on the Rock. He influenced so many people too for wanting to talk about you know classic LA punk radio. Rodney on the Rock's playlist. He's such an institution figure what was do you remember the first time you listened to k-rock i just i don't i just know that it was my dad's go-to station so growing up i would listen to a bunch of stuff and i just didn't realize what i was getting exposed to how <laughs> you know i just grew up with like nirvana i grew up with Foo fighters grew up with red hot chili peppers uh weezer nine inch nails and i didn't realize you know the impact it was having on me until much later on what about you oh man the old only reason I remember uh, hearing about K-Rock was uh, when I was in middle school at a, what was one of the PE teachers became one of the science teachers who sadly passed on years ago. Uh, she was big into K-Rock. So I would hear K-Rock, K-Rock, K-Rock. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I found the station. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. So yeah. that was about, that had to be about 2000, 99, 2000 around there. That's way before me. For me, it was probably, uh, just remember offhand, probably 2002, 2003. Oh, roughly around the same time. Yeah. And um, because then we, whenever I would go to school, he would put on Kevin and Bean. And I was probably, you know, subject to a bunch of more adult conversations than I should have for my <laughs> age. But I'm sure I didn't understand most of it. Oh, no, I, I didn't just... understand much of it either. I remember hearing stuff from Loveline. I didn't understand shit until I, I'm like, oh, it clicked uh, later on. But just... Just growing up with that, um, I went to the Almost Acoustic Christmas in 2005 as well, or 2006. And I think from then on, well, my first show was 2003. Yeah, it was 2003. That was that Newfound Glory show. And I think from then on, it just cemented my need to know anything in punk music in general, punk metal, just tried to get my hands on anything that was out there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like the first, like I remember when I first got into like classic rock and metal, I was in, um, I believe I was in freshman in high school. <laughs> that was, uh, I had friends that were into all that. And, you know, I remember my dad had the, was it, uh, was it Billboard or BMG? Whoever was the ones where you had to put on the, like the little stickers on and they were like a one cent, one cent CDs and you'd I, have I to remember. send it off, but you had to pay the shipping costs on it and they would always renew it and you'd have to start paying for it. You know what I'm talking about? All the warehouse I music. Do. That was right at the tail end. I was able to get it a few times because I was at the right tail end of it. But I, I do remember that. And going to Tower Records to get CDs oh, with the uh, with whatever money I could scrap together from not eating lunch throughout the week. Tower Records was a staple in my life. I mean, when they closed that Tower Records, I had no reason to go to the West Covina Mall anymore. Like that's the reason why I went there was to go to Tower and just window shop and try to find something. For me, there was one on uh, Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks at the Galleria Mall. And I would just walk over there every Friday whenever I would try to like just save money. I would just get like, uh, I think the first few CDs I remember getting just in like, because my, I have an older sister. She helped get me into a lot of punk and stuff. Um, the first CD she told me to get was from Orange County hardcore band Throwdown. Their album, You Don't Have to Be Blood to Be Family. I hated it at first. I was just like, this is just stupid music. Like, why are the lyrics like this? This is a family. I count on you. You count on me. That's 
stupid. And then once you analyze the lyrics and really get in depth in it, and I'm sure you got into it way more. They had become one of my favorite Orange County hardcore bands, and I'm lucky to have seen them multiple times before they broke up. And uh, they were one of the first straight edge bands I ever got into as well. And I think they indirectly led to me being straight edge just because they were the first like hardcore band that stuck on to me. They were a staple in your life. Hundred percent. It was them. It the second CD was Norma Jean's Oh God the Aftermath, which is funny because they're like a Christian hardcore band. I've never heard of a Christian hardcore band. I've heard of Christian pop and Christian metal bands and stuff like that. They're kind of in the same. Well, I should preface to say that like the early two thousands on MySpace stuff, there was somehow a big resurgence of like Christian hardcore through the labels uh, Solid State and Tooth and Nail. Through the acts of like Under Oath, Norma Jean was part of it, The Chariot, the band Me Without You, uh, oh, Show. Uh, wait a minute, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but Under Oath would be it was included in that uh, Correct. genre. I never knew that they were they were Christian up until this past album. This past album that they just put out like this past month, they started cursing on it and you know not being a Christian band. Well, you can still be a Christian band and still mm, throw those in, but if you're gonna go all the way with it, well, yeah. But that the, the thing was, many of these Christian hardcore bands they wouldn't curse in their songs or anything yeah i can see that a lot of the same goes with the like these christian metal bands same thing mm-hmm. so. so it was weird being a jewish kid growing up with that and all my friends in high school were into the christian stuff and like going to like youth group and whatnot afterwards listening to those bands and i was just like yeah i like the bands but you know <laughs> yeah i get you man oh we're, we're... oh yeah these songs fucking rule there's crazy breakdowns and it's just like i bathe in the blood of jesus Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, I, I bathe in, in the blood. I like that part. It reminds me of that King of the Hill episode where Bobby goes to goes to church. And Bobby saw exactly what it felt like, especially having been a fan of King of the Hill in general. They'd be, oh yeah, we're going to this thing called, fuck, I forgot what it was called. It was some youth group thing. Yeah, that's right. Like all of their bands would play because all my friends were in bands. Uh, they still are. Um, I won't name drop them, but I'll just say they're, they're successful. And uh, you may be able to hear one on the radio with their song Sweater Weather. That, that's that out. I went to high school and my high school friends are the neighborhood bad sons and honey. Oh, that's pretty cool. If I'm not mistaken, it was either the Reborn to be Wild episode. Yep, with Wabi Sabi. That, that, that brought to the term Wabi Sabi to my understanding. But um, hey, that's, that's cool. really what it was. It was just, there was a, a time period from 2003 to 2007 in which Solid State and Tooth and Nail dominated the, even the Warped Tour zeitgeist was a bunch of these bands, which is funny considering Warped Tour is, you know, synonymous like the older dudes preying on younger girls now. And that's just, that's just weird, man. That's just fucking crazy. Yeah, that, and a lot of these, you know, Christian bands be playing with like the more like fuck jesus bands at the same time that's kind of like if you're throwing uh slayer and striper on a kind of like a heaven and hell <laughs> tour which you're never yeah, gonna see happen th- th- keep in mind also members of slayer they're devout christians as well i think if i'm not if i'm not wrong Carrie- uh, well tom Araya was grew up catholic yeah something like that yeah so whenever i try to tell this to people they're just like oh isn't it like the devil music and i'm like no no they're they just think it looks it looks cool it looks cool oh, yeah that's it i remember uh watching the documentary metal headbangers journey and they cut to tom Araya. it's like uh it's not it's not about a, the idea it's about the idea it's like a great fucking idea for for tunes it's like we don't worship the devil but it's a <laughs> it's a fucking great idea yeah i think um i watched the documentary until the light takes us the black metal documentary and the reason 
why uh, Dark Throne, or Mayhem, I should say, shouldn't get those confused. Uh, the reason why Mayhem did that is just because they were against like Western culture and being told what to do, and they thought that it was just, you know, dark and evil. I think I, where did I learn about Mayhem? I think it was the the first uh, decline of Western civilization, if, if I'm not wrong. It was one of those. Uh, I could be wrong. I, know that, I think it might be the, the, the third, I think the third one was Metal. Okay, it was the third one, because I think the first one was yeah. Punk, the second one was like uh, more the hairband era. I think the first one was hairband, second one was punk, third one was more metal, if I'm not mistaken. Because I know the second one had, uh, that was the one with Black Flag and X in it, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, I'm I'm lost myself. Decline of Western Civilization 3. I can, I'm almost certain that's the metal one. I feel this was more, I think this was the punk one. If yeah, you guys want to watch that, it's on free on Pluto TV. Yeah, I'm always rewatch it. That one's fun. Yeah, three was the quote unquote the gutter punks, LA gutter punks. And I may have not watched that because I'm like, oh yeah, I don't need to watch people talk about how much they love crass because so, crass sound like ass. Class. Maybe it was the I think it was Metal Headbangers Journey that had Gorgoroth in it. I'm, I think I'm confusing it. Uh, probably because I, I, they're different eras. Because what Gorgoroth is uh, mid mid 80s, yeah. late late 80s. Yeah, somewhere around there. Mayhem is like 92. Oh, Mayhem's 92. Yeah, I've heard, I remember hearing a lot about Mayhem from one of my black metal friends in uh, um, freshman year of high school. He was big in a black metal. He turned me on to Mayhem. I think he let me borrow a CD. I don't remember which album it was. If it's red, it was Death Rush, which is uh, their most famous. If it was the one that had like a uh, purple, it was Demisterios, De Satinus, or whatever it is, which is also great. It has a song Funeral Fog and stuff. Which album it was? I think it was the 94 album. Uh, Death, Death Crush? Yeah. Death Mysterious. Oh, Death Mysterious, the purple one. Yeah, that one. That one, that one I would say, is their best material. Com- aside from new stuff, new stuff rules. Yeah, I'll but, you know. dig it back to the new stuff for sure. Because the last the last studio album, it looks like it was 2019 with Damon. Yep, and it, it fucking rips. Same with the latest uh, Dark Throne album from, was it last year or the year before? That one rules as well. Dark Throne. I'll have to definitely check that out. Uh, so We're about to wrap this up. Um, Brutal Brett, do you have any last things you'd like to say before we close out this episode? Uh, I would like to thank you for having me be on to talk about things from emo to M&Ms to Warp Tour. And uh, I just want to remind everyone what I say is parody. Don't don't do not take what I say seriously. My my opinions are complete ass. My my opinions are opinions. They should they should not be held as belief. Please do not come for me. So yeah, the disclaimer on this: just come and enjoy the show. Don't don't take anything the wrong way. Just come enjoy it. Listen, you like what you hear. Subscribe. So Fun Never Ends podcast can be found on all podcast platforms. Go ahead and look Fun Never Ends podcast. Subscribe if you want. Check us out on Facebook. There's a Fun Never Ends podcast page, or go to funneverendspodcast.com. Um, and hey welcome to the show man and my new co-host brutal brett and we'll be having more episodes throughout the year definitely subscribe follow and uh we'll be bringing more to you if you have any ideas of anything you would like us to talk about uh go ahead and go to the, the website or the facebook uh shoot an email and uh we'll go from there so thanks for being on the show brett brutal brett thank you for having me i'm so pleasure i'm happy to talk about anything we'll talk about anything and everything we'll have more 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 fun and exciting episodes coming up and uh looking forward to this 
All right. Well, that for Brutal Brett and myself, Metalhead Nelson, this has been Fun Never Ends Podcast. You guys have a great day and check out all the past episodes and, and go ahead and go on to the website or the Facebook and shoot us a review. All right. Have a good one and catch you later. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.